Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in Yahweh's house forever. Psalm 23. Welcome back to my Bible study podcast, From Hevel to Eternity. I'm Brian, and today we're tackling one of the most famous passages in the Bible, Psalm 23. Now, I generally like to select passages from Scripture that are lesser known or underread, but in this instance, I'm making a bit of an exception. There's a reason for this, so bear with me. I think that this chapter, Psalm 23, might be one of the most read but least heard passages in the Bible. It might be so overread that it becomes background noise to us and we don't actually process it. Picking up the theme from last week of Shema, these super famous texts, they can almost become routine to us. We listen when they're spoken, but we don't process them in a transformative way. I want to challenge us as we read and reread this psalm today to hear it and process it and meditate on it in a way that produces transformation in how we worship and how we live. In short, I pray that this episode will help us to Shema Psalm 23. And if you're not familiar with the term Shema, then I would encourage you to listen to last week's episodes. So, let's dive into Psalm 23 together and hear our Lord described as both a loving shepherd and a gracious host. Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. The opening section of this verse is literally two words in Hebrew, Yahweh Ra'ah, the proper name of the Lord and the word shepherd. In English, it gets translated, the Lord is my shepherd because of the way the structure works. But the focus here isn't on my, it's on who the Lord is, the Lord, my shepherd. It is one of only two places where the Lord's name occurs in this psalm, here in the opening verse, and then later on in the very last verse. So God's covenant name brackets this entire psalm. Max Licato in his book Traveling Light says, Though David will speak of green pastures, his thesis is not rest. He will describe death's somber valley, but this poem is not an ode to dying. He will tell of the Lord's forever house, but this theme is not heaven. Why did David write the 23rd Psalm? To build our trust in God, to remind us of who he is. So from here, you can dive into lengthy messages about what Israelite shepherds did and what sheep are like, but I think that an important note is that shepherds are always present with their flock. They are reliable and their role does not change. When a shepherd is traveling with their flock, they are on duty. 
their vocation and their identity are indistinguishable. In the situations and the unpredictability swirling around us today, this is an awesome reminder. The Lord is our shepherd. That's not something he does as a side job. That is who he is. Ever-present, unchanging, walking beside us through the churn of life. So the end of this verse is the natural reaction to that reminder. God is my shepherd, so of course I lack nothing. This gets translated a couple different ways. The NIV says, I lack nothing. The ESV says, I shall not want. I personally like the way the NLT sounds here. I have all that I need. But regardless of your translation, what's getting conveyed here? I have God, and God is enough. Lakato goes on to say, What you have in your shepherd is greater than what you don't have in life. So again, Psalm 23, verse 1. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. In verse 1, we have the writer declaring that because God is his shepherd, he lacks nothing. Now in verse 2, we see the calming and peace that only the shepherd can bring. Lying down in green pastures, being led beside still waters. This is such a far cry from where we often find our day-to-day thoughts about life, right? Like so often our lives are about getting from point A to point B as fast as we can. Blinders on, eyes on the prize, in it to win it, let's go. Our society today isn't a very meditative or reflective one. We're just so busy. Often that busyness is just for the sake of being busy. It's for the sake of attaining hevel for people who have been listeners of the podcast for a while. We create our own insecurities that way. And it makes it even harder when we do have a calm spell to meditate on God. Lying down in green pastures. Walking beside still waters, that is not the language of busy. That is the language of peace. This psalm should open our eyes to the soothing reality that we can linger with our God. Eric Mason notes that as Christians, we will eventually be lingering with God forever. But why wait for just then when we can linger now also? Look, when you get the opportunity, enjoy the green pastures and the calm waters. But don't forget how you got there. Who brought you there? And in that same vein, let's all be awed and humbled by verse 3 for a second. My shepherd guides me, and he restores my soul. The sovereign God of the universe guides me, but it's not for me. It's for him. Me following the path of righteousness is designed so that I glorify the name of God. My last Max Licato quote is this. You need only to pause at the base of the cross and be reminded of this. The maker of the stars would rather die for you than live without you. Look, this is not about who we are and what we could give to God. It's not about our own capabilities. No, this is about the unfailing, never-ending, amazing grace of our God. 
dispensed for us, but meant to lead us toward worship of him. God is good. He restores our soul. We need to remember that. And then we need to celebrate him for that. Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, verse 4. David never says that evil doesn't exist, or that God will keep evil far away from him. No, in this psalm, David actively admits that evil will come before him, but that because God is his ever-present, ever-changing shepherd, David doesn't have to walk through the darkness in fear or anxiety. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what should all of this fearlessness and comfort that we should receive from our shepherd lead us towards? It should spur us toward boldness and courage in Christ. One of the most impactful messages that I've ever heard on Psalm 23 was by Francis Chan. He reminds us that Paul prayed for boldness, all of the people in the book of Acts prayed for boldness, and that we should pray for that same boldness. Then he challenges the audience with a question that still echoes in my mind. When was the last time someone was astonished by your boldness? Philippians chapter 1 verses 27 and 28 say, Only let your way of life be worthy of the good news of Christ, that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your state, that you stand firm in one spirit, with one soul striving for the faith of the good news, and in nothing frightened by the adversaries, which is for them a proof of destruction, but to you of salvation and that from God. We don't need to be frightened by our adversaries. We need to be strengthened and striving forward in our faith, knowing that it's proof of our salvation. A few of the quotes from, a Fran- from that Francis Chan sermon that resonated with me the most, he says that we try to protect ourselves from ever having to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But if you really believe that Jesus is our shepherd standing just beside you, wouldn't you almost want to go through the valley of the shadow of death just to see what you didn't see when you were beside the still waters? You'll get to see this other side of the shepherd. Toward the end of the message, Chan declares that the only what if I'm concerned about is what if I die today and stand before God and he says, Man, look at all these great things you could have done, but you were too scared. You didn't trust me. Even though I took you through so many valleys in life, there came a point when you started playing it safe. Again, I highly encourage you to check out the full sermon. Just Google the Lord is my shepherd and Francis Chan. 
So remember too, as we read through this psalm, that the shepherd is not all about love and rainbows and roses. The shepherd carries a rod, a staff. That staff can keep the shepherd's flock on the right path, and it can act as a reminder of his presence. But that ain't all a shepherd's staff is used for. That staff is a mighty weapon for use against the enemies of the flock. Remember, Jesus is coming back. Not everybody is going to experience the grace and comfort of the shepherd. Some will experience the wrath of his staff. So let's use that boldness and empowerment that he gives us and do what the early church started. Let's spur each other toward action and mission, sharing the good news of our shepherd with those around us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, verse 4. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Psalm 23, verse 5. So in this verse, we get a minor pivot. The Lord is still our shepherd, but he also is talked about as playing a new role, the role of host. A host prepares a table for his guests. It's interesting to note that the psalmist recognizes that the Lord prepares a table for us, even when we might be surrounded by hostile forces. Forces aimed at persecution, destruction, or ridicule. In the Old Testament, the concept of being anointed with oil, it kind of carried two connotations. It carried the connotation of being a barrier, a protective barrier from evil and wickedness. But it also carried a context of being blessed. God is our gracious host, no matter our situations, and God blesses his people. Look, this is not some promise of material blessing. Like the table prepared before us isn't a literal feast of like filet and lobster tail. Like, think beyond the surf and turf here. What is the greatest blessing that God could provide to his people? It's himself. Think through the rest of the psalm. God's presence should be blessing enough for us. After all, it's through God that David can say the last line of the verse, My cup runs over. As Christians, we have the presence of God with us, and God alone is more than enough. He overflows our cup. Go back to verse 1. I have all that I need and more through God who walks with and sustains me. So listen to Psalm 23, verse 5 again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in Yahweh's house forever. Psalm 23, verse 6. I will dwell could also bring about this context of returning to and then permanently residing within a place. Alec Matyer notes that it could mean to bring to mind a complex thought of returning and staying. Throughout the Bible, shepherd language points toward a king who would rule his people. King David is the probable author of Psalm 23. He's king of Israel, but even he recognizes a greater king is to come. 
In Ezekiel 34:23, God says, I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. So the prophet Ezekiel, he proclaims a message of a new king, a new shepherd who would be greater than David. Shepherd in the Bible also points toward the Messiah. And Jesus himself declares in John chapter 10 that he is that good shepherd. Then he takes it a step further by declaring that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then in Revelation 7, we see a magnificent scene described. So Revelation 7, starting in verse 13 and working my way down to verse 17. One of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are arrayed in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I told him, My Lord, you know. He said to me, These are those who came out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the Lamb's blood. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will never be hungry, neither thirsty any more, neither will the sun beat on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne shepherds them, and he leads them to springs of waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So in Revelation 7, we get a glimpse of those who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, who came out of the great tribulation, and they now dwell in the midst of their shepherd, the Lamb on the throne, Jesus the Christ. And as if that isn't amazing enough, we then get a glimpse of them actually not requiring anything else anymore. No food, nor water, nor shade, nor protection, just the shepherd leading them to springs of waters of life. Through Psalm 23, we receive a reminder of who God is, and then by tracing shepherd language throughout the entire Bible, we see that the shepherd is God, is king, and that Jesus himself is the shepherd king who laid down his life for us, is present with us, and is worth every ounce of our worship. Our shepherd restores us and leads us down paths of righteousness for his glory, and we're called to share the message of our shepherd with the world. Our shepherd leads us beside still waters, leading us to springs of waters of life. One day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and we will return home and dwell with our shepherd in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is ultimately a psalm of trust. The Lord is our shepherd. We can trust in him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses were from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. There are a few other translations used that I called out as we came across them. The Max Licato quotes were from his book, Traveling Light, The Promise of Psalm 23. The Francis Chan quotes were from his sermon on Psalm 23 titled, The Lord is My Shepherd. Until next time, though, I love y'all.